and I uh, want to look at uh, just a few uh, particular verses tonight uh, here in the Word of God, what we would call the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter number 11, great chapter. And uh, in this chapter, we're given the, uh, uh, the exact definition of what faith is there uh, in verse number 1. He said, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you really can't understand all of that. You really can't define that yourself. But that's what the Word of God tells us about faith. And there are things that we're hoping for that we've never laid our eyes on and things that we've never seen. But we know that they're real uh, through the evidence of the Spirit of God and through the assurance of the Word of God. And uh, thank God that our uh, faith has an anchor tonight. Amen. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 11. Let's look together if we will. Uh, in verse number 32, we're going to skip over uh, many of these great verses, many of these great characters, and uh, we're going to go into what we want to speak about, what we want to preach about tonight. Look there in verse number 32 of Hebrews chapter number 11, and we'll begin reading there. He said, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of, the we out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens." Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, we do thank you, God, for your goodness, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for how you blessed us with your presence this morning. God, I want to thank you for the preaching. I want to thank you, Lord, for how you've used your men down through my life, God, to preserve me and to help me. And, Lord, I'm thankful for that. Lord, eternally grateful, God, for men that you've called. And, Lord, we, how we heard about them this morning. And how, uh, Lord, a man with a call upon his life, he can make a difference, Lord. And, God, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us tonight, Lord, as we stand in this place, God, to make a difference. I know that it won't be for ourselves, but, Lord, it'll be for your power and your touch. Lord, it'll be because of Jesus' sake and not of our own. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us, God, to speak to hearts. I pray that you would be with the Hartman family, Lord. I pray that you'd be with those that are gone on a summer trip. We pray that you'd have your will and way in those areas. And, Lord, tonight I pray... God, that you'd meet with us, Lord, that you would use us, God, for your honor and your glory. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts and help us, Lord. We humbly pray it and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 
as we begin to look in Hebrews chapter number 11, as we already said just a moment ago, there are a whole lot of uh, people that we skipped over and they were certainly worthy of recognition and God not only mentioned them in the Old Testament but God made mention of them here in the New Testament. Many of these patriarchs, many of these individuals that learned and knew what it was to walk by faith and there's a lot of times in my heart and my mind I begin to look at Bible characters and I uh, kind of compare myself to them and I say well you know I could really never do what they did and I could never really live the kind of life uh, that they lived and, and we seem to forget sometimes that these people were flesh and blood just like we were. They lived and walked in the human experience. They're not just people that are contained in a book and they're not just names upon a page tonight but they are people who learned what it was to walk with God. They were people who learned what it was to walk by faith and listen they weren't great within themselves but the thing that made them great and the thing that made them notable tonight was a God in heaven who they learned to lay hold on of His promises by faith and just go where He said to go, do what He said to do, live how He said to live, and thank God they'll receive their reward one of these days. Amen. It's interesting to note as He begins to kind of bring it down to a conclusion in this chapter anyway, uh, he, he just kind of runs out of things to say. And he says in verse number 32, And what shall I more say? He said, For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah. These are four sometimes maybe forgotten characters in the Old Testament but their lives were unforgettable and how God used them was unforgettable tonight. And I want to look at each uh, of these characters. We'll not look at David tonight, but I want to look at these four characters in Hebrews chapter uh, number 11 and verse number 32. And, and I want to look at these individuals in this light. I want to examine them and see how they stood not only for God and how they were great people of faith, but I want you to notice how they were patriots tonight. Amen. They not only stood for God, but they stood up for the good of their nation. They stood up for the benefit and the blessing of their fellow man. And they made a, a, a impact and they made a difference in their generation. We'll mention them by name by way of introduction and then we'll examine them just a little further. Number one, I want you to consider Gideon there in verse number two. We know who Gideon was. We find him there uh, in the book of Judges. As a matter of fact, we find all of these people that we're going to talk about here in the book of Judges. But when we think about Gideon, Gideon was what we're going to call an exercised man. He was a man that was without a doubt used by God. He came from very humble beginnings. He came from a very simple background. Even when God showed up, he kind of questioned God and he said, well, I'm just a simple man. I'm from a specific tribe. Maybe you want to find somebody else. But it was that simple individual that God used and God empowered to make a difference in his generation. Sometimes we look for the great people. We look for people with great charisma 
and great personalities and a long list of attributes. But I tell you who God wants to use tonight. He wants to use you. Amen. And if you'll submit yourself and you'll give yourself fully and wholly to God, then He can use your life and make a difference with your life for His honor and for His glory. And so we consider Gideon. He was an exercised man. Amen. That man by the name of Barak, we found him there in the book of Judges with that prophetess by the name of Deborah. He was an exhorted man. He was encouraged to obey the Word of God. And we find that he did do that. He yielded to God's voice. Amen. We're living in a day and an hour where there's a whole lot of voices. There's a whole lot of things being said. There's a whole lot of opinions tonight. But the greatest voice that you and I could listen to is that of the Holy Ghost and that of the Word of God and that of God Himself tonight. Amen. So we see Gideon was an exercised man. We see Barak was an exhorted man. And then we think about Samson tonight. Samson was an exceptional man. He stands out among those upon the Scriptures. Samson, and we'll say more about it later, but there was a great span of Samson's life which we found him disobedient to the Word of God. He was disobedient to the wishes of his parents. But I'm glad, thank God, in the final days of his life, God used him and God uh, was able to make a difference with this man by the name of Samson. And then, of course, we find this man by the name of Jephthah. And the Bible talks about him, and we'll call him tonight the excommunicated man. He was an outcast in society. You say, why do you say that? He was the son of a harlot. He was not the common individual that you would uh, nominate for Sunday school superintendent. He's not the common individual that we would look for God to use. But I'm glad tonight that God has an uncanny way of using people who maybe we would look over. Maybe that we would dismiss from our mind and not consider and not think about. That's the very one that God would pick out. We'll just briefly mention David tonight. You remember when God was rending the kingdom away from Saul and God spoke to Samuel, the man of God, and he went down to Jesse's house and he began to examine all of the sons and seemingly they would make good kings in Israel. They had all of the physical qualities and maybe they were good speakers and maybe they were natural leaders and they were good in a fight but that isn't who God was looking for. He he looked through all of those sons and God never spoke on any of them and then he said you have any more sons? He said yeah we got little David he's on the back side of the property looking after the sheep and Samuel said "Go, go get him and they brought David and there was the winner. There was the one that God was after and I'm glad tonight that God has a way and has, a, has a, a, a way of using those people that are often timed overlooked tonight. But when we look at these individuals, they were used by God and they were patriots tonight. They not only exemplified faith in God spiritually, but they exemplified their faith patriotically. I want to preach on that thought and that subject tonight on patriotic faith. The preacher this morning took the words out of my mouth when he said that you can both be a Christian and 
a patriot tonight. Amen. Uh, there are many that would say, well, you know, you've got to be one or the other. You can't pledge allegiance to a flag and pledge allegiance to a nation and still pledge allegiance to our God. But listen, the Word of God begs to differ that point tonight. These men, as we look at them tonight, there's no doubt that they stood for God. There's no doubt that they were great men of faith, but there is a, a, a fact that stands tonight that these men were patriots. Let, let's look at Gideon uh, first tonight. When we consider Gideon, we find his story primarily there in Judges chapter 7 and chapter number 8. And when we think about Gideon, we say this, that Gideon was noted for his vision. He was noted for his vision. Gideon was a man who obeyed the revealed word and the revealed will of God. Amen. And when we think about Gideon, we can kind of uh, get this little fact tonight. Our perception, what we're looking at, or how we see things tonight, is based upon God's promises. Our perception is based upon God's promises. God spoke to Gideon tonight some 12 times throughout his life. And God spoke seven of those 12 times to prepare Gideon for the work that he had had for him. The greatest thing that you and I can do tonight is become sensitive to the voice of God in our life. Amen. We ought to be familiar with this book. We ought to be familiar with the place of prayer. We ought to be familiar with the voice of the Holy Ghost in our life tonight. And it was as Gideon heeded of the Word of God. God gave him great victory through His Word. In a seemingly impossible situation, Gideon fought with only 300 men and he won tonight. Why? Not because Gideon was a great man of vision even though he was a man of vision looking beyond that tonight. Listen, God said that he would win and God said that he could have the victory and God gave him the victory based upon his word tonight. Amen. We talk about impossible situations. You, you think about those colonists. Uh, that rebelled and revolted against the crown and rebelled and revolted against those red coats and with just seemingly uh, an impossible situation uh, our nation was born because those men were men of vision they looked beyond the crown that ruled over them they looked beyond uh, the system that they had known in England and uh, those colonists as they grew up in this country uh, they, they looked beyond those uh, uh, pressures from the crown uh, and they saw what could be uh, they saw a nation that was built and founded upon freedom and they saw religious freedom and they saw economic freedom and they saw political freedom and they, and they saw a world where they can escape tyranny and they can escape bondage and I believe with all of my heart it was a sovereign act of God for those men to revolt and rebel against the crown and this great nation was born we have liberty in this country. Even though that may be a fading truth, that may be something that is, uh, we're losing, we still have it tonight. We ought to not sit around in doom and gloom and say, well, you know, we're all just going to become a bunch of martyrs. That might happen. But we ought to not focus on that. We ought to focus on doing the things that we're free to do while we have the freedom to do them. 
Man, we ought, to have ne- we ought to never have any excuse outside of being sick and maybe being contagious or unless you've got some kind of ox in the ditch or something like that. Brother, if we have the opportunity to come to the house of God, we ought to come. If we have the opportunity to sit down and read this Bible tonight, we ought to do that because we've got the freedom in it. And many of us have four and five and six copies of this in our home and we've not even read one of them all the way through. But we've got the freedom to do that tonight. Why? Because men gave their lives. And they looked and they saw what could be. In spite of the circumstances that they were in. I'm sure many of those colonists as they met together. They said this is an impossible situation. This is a lost cause. We can't fight against everything that we've ever known. We can't fight against the crown. Listen that's treason. But I'm glad listen as they went against the crown. And they went against England. There was a greater force that was behind them. And there was a greater king that they had their allegiance to. And that was Almighty God tonight. Amen. Gideon was noted for his vision. We have freedom of religion in this country. We have a Bible right tonight to gather together and worship God. And I know tonight I'm telling you stuff that you already know. I'm telling you stuff that, that, yeah, that's, that's no big deal to us because we've grown up in this country. All we've ever known is freedom. Some of us, all we've ever known is the house of God. But what would we do tonight if all of that was taken away? Well, we talk a big game, don't we? Well, I'd, I'd meet underground and I'd do this. You have absolutely no idea what you do until you're faced with a moment tonight. So instead of having to meet in a cave or having to meet underground somewhere or having to meet in some building trying to dodge the government, why don't we take advantage of the freedom we have and decide that while we're here and while we have the opportunity and while we have the freedom, we'll live for God. Gideon was noted for his vision, but then we consider this man by the name of Barak. He was noted for his victory. We find his story there in Judges chapter number 4. We know Deborah, that uh, Savior of Israel or that Judge of Israel at the time was operating there and she encouraged him to go and fight the battle. Barak was faced with 900 chariots of iron. And God, once again, in a seemingly impossible situation, stepped them and victory was given. And with a flood, God delivered that wicked man, Sisera, into the hands of Jael. And we know the story there. You didn't want to mess with her. She drove a tent stake through that man's head. And as they were pursuing, as Barak was pursuing, she said, hey, come see the man you're looking for. I've got him pinned to the ground, literally. God has given America victory after victory after victory in seemingly impossible situations. Why? Because I believe tonight that God has raised up our country for a specific purpose. I believe this with all of my heart. Outside of the nation of Israel, there is no greater country on the face of this planet. While men are burning our flags and while they're uh, refusing to... Uh, pledge allegiance and while they refuse to uh, pay respect to the national anthem and all that kneeling that took place in the NFL, boy, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. 
We ought to be ashamed that that's the role model for our young people. We ought to be ashamed that that's the up and coming stars, so to speak, for the next generation tonight. Amen. I believe it with all of my heart. You ought to pledge to the flag. You ought to stand for the national anthem. If somebody's at a ball game and they're talking, I think you ought to tell them to be quiet. But we're quiet, aren't we? God's raised up America for a purpose. You say, what would those purposes be? Or what would that purpose be? We're, we're raised up to be a force for liberty to fight against oppression. We were raised up for the purpose of world evangelism. We were raised up to be a friend to Israel. And may we never turn our back on God's chosen people. We may never turn our back on Israel. You know, you ought to not tell any Jew jokes. Amen. You ought not do that. You're talking about God's chosen people tonight. Amen. Hanukkah is in December. And if you know any Jews, what you ought to do, Brother Samuel Freed has got some of those copies uh, of the Word of God. He's got them in Hebrew and English. And if you'll find an Orthodox Jew and you'll give them something with Hebrew on it, they cannot throw it away. And you're getting the gospel. You're getting the Word of God into their hand. That's just something to think about tonight. Amen. But we think about Gideon tonight. He was noted uh, for his vision. Barak was noted for his victory. But then we come to Samson. Samson was noted for his valor. And we remember Samson upon the pages of Judges chapter number 16. We know that Samson tonight was a unique character found on the pages of Israel's history. Samson was raised up as a judge and as a defender of the people of God. He was a deliverer. But when we say that Samson was a man of valor, the question comes to mind, how was he a man of valor? Samson broke every vow that he ever made. Samson was involved with two women who betrayed him. Samson's most notable moments were not in his life, but Samson's most notable moment was found in his death. We remember Samson pulled those pillars down and he killed more in his death than he did in life. His valor shines forth in those final moments when he begged God for his strength to return and gave himself for the good of his nation and people. We could say it like this, Samson was willing to die for what he believed in. No, when we think about those Individuals who went through the Great Depression. Those who fought in World War II. They've been coined and given the name the greatest generation. We believe that tonight. They face greater hardship than this country's ever known. They went through the Great Depression. They were called up to go fight in a world war and the women had to enter into the workforce. They had to fill those gaps and this nation was put under a strain. Oh, but I'm glad tonight as victory was given, our boys came back home and God gave a great victory and we're indebted to that generation tonight. Tom Brokaw in his book, The Greatest Generation, says this. He's talking about those that fought in the World War and those that made it through the Great Depression, that greatest generation. He said these words. He said, I have utterly failed them and it is my 
fault. Boy, we ought to respect those who went to the shores of Normandy. We ought to respect those, those paratroopers uh, who jumped out of those planes uh, under enemy fire. We ought to thank God for those who went to Japan and went to Germany and went to those African campaigns uh, and left their wives and left their children so that you and I can rest our heads in peace and freedom tonight. You, can, you say, well, preacher, that was a long time ago. Listen, it's getting to be too long. Amen. And we're forgetting the impact that that generation... We can't even get boys nowadays to pull their pants up, much less go off to Europe and fight. I was on the school bus in high school, and there was a, a, a boy, and, and, and he said, you know, I, I refuse. I refuse uh, to go fight. Looking at him, I wouldn't want him going fighting for me. We look at this generation, if we ever get into a war, we're in trouble. That man, they'll have to take the eyeliner off. They'll have to take the necklaces and the bracelets off. I went to McDonald's the other day and there was a boy with fingernails. I'm glad my kids weren't in the car with me. A boy. He didn't talk effeminate. He wasn't dressed effeminate. He was as much of a boy or a man as I was. And he had fingernails. What's wrong with us? What's wrong with our nation? I'll tell you what's happened to us. We live in a selfish society. We live in a society that is uh, branded with entitlement. We have a bunch of spoiled brats who have grown up into adults. They've never matured, and you're seeing adult men walk around in the mall with pajamas on. Hoods on their head with an animal on it. That's stupid's what that is. Amen. That's dumb. I, maybe you're not supposed to say stupid in the pulpit, but that's stupid is what that is. We, we live in a selfish society, an entitled society, a, a society of spoiled brats. You and I don't deserve anything tonight. Listen to me, we're eating from vineyards that we didn't plant. We're drinking from wells that we didn't dig. I thought about those soldiers that went and fought in Vietnam. My grandfather was one of them. And before he died, we had a conversation about it. And uh, he said, you know, he said, uh, I'm thankful for my service. I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to go. But he said this, he said, I wish that I could have gone and, and been a part of something more meaningful. That's how those soldiers felt when they came home as they had rotten vegetables thrown at them and they were cussed by hippies and they, they, were, they literally had, uh, the, the backs were turned to the American soldier in that generation. And I had the opportunity and I'm glad that I had the privilege to tell him that it meant something to me. I'm glad that you went and I'm glad that you fought. Just a young man, he was already in, he wasn't drafted. But just a 21-year-old kid with a bunch of 18-year-old boys around him went somewhere that they couldn't even find on a map and they fought communism and they did it because they loved their country and they loved their nation and they loved freedom and they did what they had to do. Samson was noted for his valor. But then I think about Jephthah tonight. Jephthah is maybe the most unrenowned or unknown out of all of these characters. His story is found in Judges chapter number 11. 
we remember what happened to Jephthah. Jephthah made, made a, a hasty vow before the Lord. And he said, the next thing that comes through that door, I'm going to sacrifice to the Lord. You know who walked through the door? His daughter did. Before we criticize Jephthah tonight, we need to realize that what he did was done out of a passionate love for God. And as strange as it may seem, it was an act of faith. What happened to Jephthah? He let his mouth get into gear before his brain did and he stuck his foot in his mouth. He vowed that he would offer whatever passed through the doors of his house when he returned. And his only daughter came out to meet him. Now here's the lesson from that tonight. We need to make vows. We ought to make some promises to the Lord. But you ought not make some promises that you know that you can't keep tonight. Amen. Don't make rash vows. Don't say things in passion that you cannot commit to. When God moves in a service, don't make a a quick emotional decision. But brother, you need to weigh that thing out and you need to count the cost. Many people aren't doing that anymore. They come to an altar, they'll make a commitment, they'll say, I'll be a Christian, but they don't understand everything that that entails tonight. They don't understand everything that that involves tonight. And I'm not saying I understood everything that was involved when I became a Christian tonight. But my point is, is we ought to not make promises that we can't keep. There was a day and an hour where a handshake sealed a business deal. Now it's, I'll do this, I promise, I, I, I swear to you, I'll do this. And they're nowhere to be found. You know, a man's only as good as his word tonight. So what happened tonight? Did God require this man's daughter? Let's think about this for a little bit tonight. To accept a human sacrifice and to expect Jephthah to do what he vowed, that would be out of character with God. So what does the Word of God tell us tonight? Did God require his daughter? Not in blood sacrifice. But as you read that text, you'll come to the understanding that she maintained her virginity all the days of her life. She did not marry. She was set apart to the Lord, could not experience the same things that other girls, other young women were able to experience as they grew in life. She was held to that vow all the days of her life. Boy, it's easy to get passionate about things, isn't it? It's easy to see things on the news and see the things that are taking place in our country and it's easy to get mad. It's easy to get passionate because we love our country. We love the flag. We love our nation. No, I don't love everything about America. I don't love everything that America is becoming, but I love what America should be and what what that flag represents and what our nation represents and what that constitution represents. And we love the idea of a republic and we love the idea of freedom and liberty tonight. We get passionate about those things in our country. But just like Jephthah, we can let our mouth get us into trouble. Every battle is not ours to fight. Amen. God has not called the church to fix the social issues. Amen. 
sodomy and, and homosexuality and all of those different things. Those are a very real and a very present problem in our country. But it is not your job and it is not my job to go about trying to fix that. Because as long as there, are, there is wickedness in the world, those things are going to exist. So we shouldn't ball up our fist and we shouldn't get mad about those things and we shouldn't get upset and lose our Christian testimony. But what we ought to do is allow our light to shine even greater in this country. And as you and I go on, we're becoming more and more of a minority, even among independent Baptists. But God's still the same God. Just as God helped these individuals, these men of faith, God can help you and I to stand. You know, the Bible says this in the book of Psalms. David said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? We can pray. We can hold the word of God. We can be a witness. We can live right. We can do right. We can stand in this generation. And we can... Honor God and we can glorify Him. And so I say again, God has not called you and I to fix the social issues. God has not called you and I to go around and, uh, with a magnifying glass and try to fix everything that we can and find everything that we can. But He simply called us to be the church tonight. Amen. The hope for America is Jesus Christ. The hope for America is the Word of God. The hope for America is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we as adults, may we as an older generation teach our children, teach our young people to have respect for our nation, to have respect for the American soldier, to have respect for the police officer, to have respect for those who have given their lives and sacrificed everything so that you and I could be free. Ultimately, we ought to teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ who over 2,000 years ago gave His life, gave of Himself so that you and I could be free tonight. Well, we're entitled. We're lazy. We've got it so good in this country. And as we read through that text about, about men being sawn asunder, About, about women being ripped up and, and, and beasts eating children in, in plain view, plain sight before mothers. We don't know what a hard time is. We don't know what difficulty is. You went out on visitation and you knocked on a door and somebody gave you a dirty look and slammed the door in your face and you think you're persecuted. You're not. We're not. We've got it so good. And even as bad as things are in our nation... We've got it so good. We ought to thank God for it tonight. We ought to not take it for granted. Because it's slipping away tonight. We're losing a generation. We're failing to instill values and morals and the word of God in our children tonight. And would to God help us to do that tonight. Amen. Let's stand together. What made the greatest generation great? It was their willingness to continue on in the face of adversity and difficulty. 
And would to God tonight that you and I would make our commitment to God. That we would vow to the Lord. That we'll always serve Him. That we'll teach our children the Word of God. and Teach them values and morals and respect. And we can tonight make a difference in the generation that is to come. There's a whole bunch of young people on a bus right now. Going to hear a preacher all week. That seems to be in our day and time something that's not really that much heard of anymore. They'd rather go to the concert. They'd rather go here. They'd rather go there. But I thank God for the young people that we have in our church. Many of your children, I have absolutely no problem with with my children being around. Because I know how they are. I know what they're being exposed to. And I thank God for our young people. We ought to cherish them tonight. We ought to thank God for the opportunity to pour into another generation tonight. Amen. Amen. As they play, maybe you need to come pray tonight. Maybe you want to pray for our nation. Pray for our young people. Pray for our families that will continue to stand. It is important tonight what we teach our children. It is important tonight what we believe and why we believe it. We ought to stand for the Lord tonight. Amen. As they play, as they sing, whatever they're going to do.